Hello, everyone, and welcome to Rerun Shuffle, the podcast where we hit shuffle on Comfort TV. Uh, this is our sixth episode, so if you're just starting here, uh, make sure to visit viewpointsonline.org or search for the Viewpoints Network on Anchor FM or Spotify and check out our other episodes. My name is Tim. Apparently, just producer Tim Nacy now. We're just, we're, just, we're, just, we're, just, we're just going with job labels. <laughs> well, I know that that's your nickname that Brian has given yes, you. Yes, that is, that is, that is, that is, that is, that's how I'm known on the, uh, the Field of View podcast. Um, I am the multimedia editor here at Viewpoints, and I'm just an endless consumer of TV, movies, and video games. I just, even if I don't have time for it, I Mood. figure out a way to make it my job. <laughs> that's Same. half the reason I do this. <laughs> Um, I'm a sitcom obsessive and a fan of cartoons, and I'm really excited because today I get to check both those boxes along with horror. Woohoo! I am Leo Cabral. My pronouns are they, them. I am the editor in chief at Viewpoints, and I am a queer, trans, non binary multimedia journalist. I love Halloween season, so woohoo! Happy Halloween season, everybody. Uh, creepy story podcasts and scary cartoons that traumatize children just a little, but in a good way. Early Disney, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> also, this episode that we're kind of looking at. Oh, yeah, get ready. Um, fun fact I'm actually a chupacabra disguised as a student journalist. Uh, it's been three years, and they haven't figured out that I am a cryptozoological creature in a human's body, so things are going well. <laughs> I'm just imagining now that, like, after that, after that story that we just published, that. Set the internet on fire. Mm. You can read about that a little bit. Yeah. Um, we just, I'm imagining now they're going to use that to discredit you. Oh, no. <laughs> we're going to take that from a cryptid. <laughs> uh, what the story we're talking about is the editorial that Viewpoints wrote, and it's about the suboptimal conditions that the journalism program has been experiencing for apparently many years now. Um, this iteration of the Viewpoints staff is not the only staff that has had issues with... Um, you know, just things around the the newsroom, getting things done, getting like, you know, services and such. For example, there's a gaping hole in our ceiling right above uh, the workstations. Yep, you can see it from here. It's <laughs> very frustrating. It's just a little scary. <laughs> yeah, you're just like, what's gonna what's gonna come in through that hole? Right. Like I'm just picturing like just like just like those like those like paratroopers from um from Justice League. Oh my god! I'm so I was thinking like little toy soldiers. Oh no! Even worse. <laughs> yeah. Oh no! Oh, this is terrifying. No, I, I, I'm aborting this. <laughs> let's let's yeah. Let's move on. <laughs> so Tim, what are what are we currently? What are you currently watching right now? Um. Well, I've had a very busy week, so I haven't really had a lot of time to watch anything new. Once again. Yeah. Uh, but. I do want to give a quick shout out to Disney Plus's What If, mm-hmm. which just ended its first season. I mean, not that they really need me to. Everybody knows about What If. Uh, but if you are somehow unfamiliar, uh, it's an animated series that reimagines different stories from various points in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And it asks questions like, you know, what if Thor never had to grow up? Or what if T'Challa, uh, Black Panther, anybody who doesn't know, uh, was taken into space instead of Peter Quill? Huh. And, uh, and, and, and it just kind of imagines like what these stories would be like if one thing had changed. Uh, without spoiling too much, uh, for the most part, it's an anthology series. I don't, don't want to spoil really anything there, but... It's, for the most part, in an anthology series uh, where a character named um, Watsu the Watcher, um, who folks at Viewpoints will probably recognize as the subject of, of, my, of both my Discord profile picture and my reaction picture whenever <laughs> things get a little too um, rowdy. <laughs> when, when, the, when the staff gets a little wild in the Discord. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Uatsu is basically like the Rod Serling of the show. He just he he kind of he kind of he kind of like he kind of like hovers over the proceedings. Sometimes you'll see him like what like like just he'll he'll appear like in the clouds as someone drives by or something. And yeah, he'll just ruminate on like the meaning of the story that was just told, even though he he's 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 this, this powerful cosmic being that swore an oath not to interfere. So he just kind of just keeps an eye on all these different universes. Oh wow! Praise God. It's a very, very, it's a very, it's a, it's a really interesting show. The stories range from uh, fascinating to hilarious to just absolutely gut-wrenching and heartbreaking. Uh, sometimes all in the same episode or even at the same time. Ooh. It is such a bizarre show. The tone is so out there. A lot of people actually don't really care for it because it's so bizarre. But the thing is, the comics that it's based on are just li- are just that. I love that. I love comics. I love, um, you know, just completely off-the-wall bizarre stuff. So that's cool. I'm going to have to get my dad's Disney Plus password. It's, it's, pr- it's, pr- it's pretty good stuff. Maybe I'll stream it in the Discord. Oh, wait, I didn't say that out, I didn't say that out loud. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. I was planning on streaming something for the Discord Disney, tonight. Disney, I'm just kidding. I know you're listening. I'm kidding. <laughs> We'd never dream of sharing my Disney Plus password. Mm-hmm. So how about you, Leo? What have you been watching this week? Uh, like you, my week has been very busy. Uh, it's been it's press week, and you know, as the editor-in-chief, got to make sure everything runs as smoothly as possible. Um, but I did manage to finish watching Squid Game Wednesday night. Um, I, it was late at night, you know, those are hour long episodes, but it was so worth it. It was worth staying up until like 1am. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. It, I jumped on the hype train and it was a wild ride. Um, it's, it's one of those shows that holds a mirror up to the audience and society as a whole. It was created and written by Huang Dong-hyuk and it's a commentary about the lower class being down on their luck, having to fight and kill each other over uh, Korean children's games. Like, so the premise is they play the children's games and, you know, if you lose, you die. And that's all for a chance to win millions of dollars with a faceless police force ready and waiting to kill you if you die or escort you to the next game or next place if if you live. Oh, yikes. Yeah, while a handful of faceless elites bet on these people's survival. Ah, Hunger Games vibe then. Yes, based, that's what everybody's been saying. It's like it's like Hunger Games, and I'm over here thinking like it's kind of, also kind of like Battle Royale. I recommend it, but there is a lot of blood and violence, so viewers dis- viewer discretion advised. Yeah, you gotta you just gotta go in the Netflix shows assuming that it's R-rated. Right? Yeah. Like there, there, are, there aren't a lot of like family shows on Netflix. I mean, there are a few, but I mean, like the big dramas... The, the stuff that's, like, on the headlines. Yeah, the it's, most it's popular stuff. stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. So what did we watch for this episode, uh, for this oh, week's so episode, Tim? I'm so excited to finally be able to talk about this show. Um, this week, we watched uh, The Simpsons, Season 6, Episode 6, Treehouse of Horror 5. Ooh. Now, this is a very special episode of Rerun Shuffle because uh, the show we're talking about for the first time is still on the air. There's, like, 30-plus seasons. I didn't know I that. I believe, I think we are, st- yeah, I think we just started season 32. Jesus. It is absolutely wild. It has lived far past its lifespan. That's old. Multiple that, times. That's more than me. <laughs> like, yeah, it, it, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure it stands as, like, the, the current, the longest-running uh, scripted TV program. Wow. I could be wrong on that. There might be one other one out there, but actually probably not. There's the Progress and Soap Operas out there, but primetime. Mm, mm-hmm. The longest running primetime scripted TV program. Wild. Yeah, pretty crazy. Um, so obviously the Simpsons are a, an institution. They need no introduction, but here's one anyway. Because <laughs> we have you hostage. 
No, you can turn this off. Don't please don't. And, or just skip ahead like a <laughs> few a few seconds. <laughs> uh, it premiered in 1989 as a spinoff of the Tracy Ullman show. The Simpsons were an animated segment on the sketch show that oh. was that, that that was on like the late 80s, early 90s, uh, and it focuses on the lives and adventures of the Simpson family. Um, Homer, who's a generally well-meaning but pretty simple-minded, straight-up dumb actually, um, <laughs> uh, and very lazy father. Uh, Marge, Homer's long-suffering wife, with a tendency to repress her emotions and like kind of hide it in her in her like homemaker um, pursuits. I just got to say, I love Marge, and I feel for her greatly. Marge, is, yeah, it's, it's, it's the, the enthusiasm she finds for things. I just like that. I, I, there's there's one episode I really love where um, I think like, like, like Bar- I think Bart needs like a science project or something. It's like, um, why don't you why don't you why don't you use this, Mom? Why are you always trying to give us potatoes? I just, I just think, think they're, they're neat. neat. <laughs> But yeah, Marge gets very enthusiastic about very mundane things, and it's very clear that she's dealing, that, that that's how she copes. I feel so bad. She's just, you know, com- compartmentalizing herself and making herself smaller for, you know, the family life, for her husband, for the stay-at-home wife life. Yeah, yeah very, very funny, but very tragic character. Mm-hmm. Then, of course, there's Bart, their oldest child, giant giant troublemaker and giant smartass. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lisa, the middle child, who's the most socially aware of the entire family, definitely has that middle child syndrome. <laughs> um, and then there's Maggie, uh, the youngest child who's way smarter than she lets on. Uh, don't believe me? Check out an episode called A Streetcar Named Marge when she stages a heist to get her pacifier back from an oppressive daycare center. <laughs> okay, so Marge and Maggie are ab- my actually my favorite uh, are actually my favorite characters in this whole thing. I, they're just amazing. <laughs> yeah, I don't get right. Uh, so what can you really say about this show that hasn't already been said? TV comedy just flat wouldn't be what it is today without The Simpsons. Mm-hmm. Like just the, it, it, it inspired so many people that all that all of like the the best, even like the, the the cult favorites, like your Arrested Development or Community and stuff. Even those shows had to have at least seen The Simpsons or absorbed it through osmosis or something. Yeah, big, uh, yeah. Big culture. We, we would we would not be where we were without without this show. Mm-hmm. The specific episode we're talking about, Trials of Horror 5, it aired, um, aired on October 30th, 1994, and was uh, directed by Jim Reardon and was written by the legend Greg Daniels, who also created uh, King of the Hill, uh, Parks and Rec, and was a, a really heavy force in uh, the American version of The Office. <laughs> like, he had his fingers in every pie. Like, like mo- most sitcoms that you love, he probably had something to do with it. So much makes sense now. So, yeah. Uh, just a little bit about Three Hours of Horror. Every year, The Simpsons does a horror anthology episode, which includes uh, three short non-canon episodes that get decisively darker than your average episode. Mm. Uh, I just want, before we get started on, on this one, I just want to give a quick shout-out to... Um, this is th- this one is... Th- this episode that we're talking about is probably pound for pound by favorite Treehouse of Horror episode, but my all-time favorite Treehouse of Horror bit was one from the original Treehouse of Horror, the uh, the one from season two, mm-hmm. which was actually about uh, Bartley, son, Maggie hanging out in their treehouse, and they're just telling, and they're just telling scary stories. Uh, the adaptation, like Lisa's story, the adaptation of Edgar Allan Poe's The Raven. So in theme just, for her. It's so, and, 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 and like, I, I, I love how like they, they, they treat that story with the dignity that it deserves, mm. but they still put that Simpsons, um, that, that, that Simpsons thing in it. Like I, like I, like I, like I love that part when, um, when, when the, when the Raven's up there going nevermore and then, um, and then, um, the, the narrator who's Homer is like, take thy peak from out thy heart and take thy form from off my door. And then James Earl Jones, who's uh, narrating, quoth the Raven. Nevermore, take thy beak from out thy heart and take thy form from off my door. Like tapping his fingers together really, really, like, really, like, trying to repress his anger. Quoth the raven, nevermore. Why, you little? <laughs> <laughs> and 
And that's eventually how he gets knocked out, it, possibly killed. I'm not sure. Oh, he's he's sleeping. <laughs> he's just sleeping. <laughs> but yeah, uh, if, if, if you've never seen that bit, I definitely... Seasons one and two of The Simpsons, the tone is a little bit weird, but I would highly recommend that even if you can't deal with that, with that, check out at least that one bit on YouTube. I'm sure somebody put it on there. I've been tempted so many times to buy a plushie <laughs> of the Bart Raven on Etsy. It's actually really cute. It's great. <laughs> um, I forgot that James Earl Jones was the narrator. I love his voice. It's so good. He was actually a mainstay for a little while in um, Shouts of Horror episodes. Oh, yeah, he okay. would. He would. Yeah, he would. He would. He would pop up. I know he was one of. Uh, he was. He, I, I think. I think he was. He was in all three of those. Of, of those. Um, of those segments from the beginning. And clearly, they put. Mm-hmm. They, they gave him. They gave him parts in all three, mm-hmm. just so they could have him narrate the Raven. Like I. I. You can't. You cannot convince me otherwise on that one. Because yeah. Who else are you going to get to quote to, to 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 narrate the Raven? I mean, there's Jeremy Irons. You know, just plugging more like Lion King voice acting stuff. But anyways. <laughs> I guess so. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm, I'm. I'm. I'm biased. I'm a Star Wars fan, so I love James Earl Jones. Right. I. I just love James Earl Jones because. The Lion King. Um. <laughs> and uh, one more quick note. If you're in the mood, uh, there actually does exist. It's the only one they ever did. A narrative Halloween episode of The Simpsons. Uh, it's in season 27 and it's called um, Halloween of Horror. Oh. And um, it is surprisingly good for a Latter-day Simpsons episode because they get to... I, I think it's because they get to make jokes they never had a chance to make before. Like they, 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 get, they get to do bits where Homer is decorating the house for Halloween and, you know, trick-or-treat stuff mm. rather than rather than get into like these, these, these parodies, which are great, but... It was it was kind of a breath of fresh air, and um, I, I say it's good for Latter Day Simpsons episode, but it's actually it's 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 not like one of the best Simpsons the Simpsons ever did, but it is a pretty good. I, I, I maybe put it in my like top thirty of Simpsons okay. episodes. It's it's a, it's it's a pretty good episode, and I would highly. Plus, it actually continues the plot a little bit from the ride because they go to Krusty Land, which only exists in the Universal ride. Ah, uh, see. The fact that you have like thirty favorite Simpsons episodes. <laughs> oh god, at, le- at least like I, I haven't like ranked them, but <laughs> there's 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 a lot that I love. Uh, so like certain seasons are just flawless. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like this like this season, season six is great. I think okay. So the last time I watched The Simpsons, like all the, like through like as a marathon, um, was like a, I th- want to say about like seasons one through ten, like several years ago, like way back. So that's that's the most I've gotten into The Simpsons. Oh yeah, I've I've been obsessed for a very long time. <laughs> so let's get into our into our recap. Mm-hmm. Um, so the first segment in Trios Four or Five is called the Shining. <laughs> I love it. Which obviously that is a it is a it is a retelling of um, of um, Stanley Kubrick's classic uh, adaptation of Stephen King's um, The Shining. Mm-hmm. Which Stephen King hates, by the way. Stephen yeah. King does not like The Shining. He actually made his own adaptation for TV, but I I tried to find that to watch it because I really well, I, I liked The Shining, but I really wanted to see Stephen uh, Stephen King's take on it. You know, his 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 visual um, masterpiece of it. But it can't be found or watched anywhere. So I'm gonna be scouring the internet here and there, hopefully looking for it. If anybody knows where I can watch that, please send it my I way. Know, I, yeah, I know, I know, I know it's around. I, I, I know it's accessible. You, you probably have to like like a VHS tape or something. Oh my god! Hey, we have a TV that uses VHS tapes. <laughs> so we open we open on the Simpsons in their Simpsons in their in their in their in their iconic pink sedan. Mm-hmm. Um, so after three long trips to the secluded mountain location. Um, Homer forgot to lock two separate doors back at the house, and eventually, uh, and, and these huge, huge long drives. They don't actually say exactly. It, it, it takes like a whole day, I think, both times. I know it took days for um, for the actual Shining. Well, it's scripted in the in the Shining. You know, it took a long time to get to the hotel. 
So. My, my favorite though is that after the, after the two doors, I think the third time they go up, um, they left Grandpa at, at a gas station somewhere, <laughs> and Homer makes the conscious choice. Nope, that's it. Too bad. <laughs> and Lisa's like, okay, but what about Grandpa? He <laughs> just, just doesn't say a word. Uh, it turns out they are heading off to be winter caretakers at Mr. Burns' secluded mountain hotel. Uh, this is clearly a place of tremendous evil. It's built on an ancient Indian burial ground and has served as a site for satanic rituals, Whoa. witch burning, and five John Denver Christmas specials. I always, I always love Homer's reaction. Just, just the, his, his reaction all that. John Denver. <laughs> um, <laughs> I actually want to say that I'm so tired of creators using the whole like Indian burial grounds as a as a vehicle to, for their for their horror. Um, I don't know what this country and their and its culture's obsession with um, indigeneity is, and using that as like a means to like stir things up. But it's like, y'all, this whole land is a, a burial ground. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, fair enough. <laughs> yeah, that's just my take on that. My favorite too is that while while Mr. Burns is giving them the hotel tour, um, they stop in an elevator, <laughs> and yeah, the the, the 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 blood scene, the blood scene happens, and Mr. Burns says, "Hmm, that's odd. Usually the blood gets off on the second floor." <laughs> yeah, I'm just like, oh, okay, cool. <laughs> This is just a thing we do. <laughs> I just, yeah, I love, I, I love too later on that um, that they um, they this has happened before that the that they've <laughs> they've they've they've, they've the, the place is the place is clearly the place is clearly haunted. Yeah, and also and and and, and multiple caretakers have have gone crazy and murdered their family. Like mm-hmm. like in like it's it's even worse than in the book because in the book I think there were I think there were, I think there was only one incident. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah, there was only one incident, and that was they, they were to say, "Oh, he was mentally ill." There was no, there was no, there was no way we could have seen that coming. Um, yeah, that's always how they go in horror movies. Um, yeah, but, uh, but yeah, in this one apparently there was like three or four previous caretakers who all went nuts and killed their family, and like Mr. Burns is so casual about it. Um, well, well, if he goes, if he goes crazy and, and murders his family, I owe you a coke. <laughs> Uh, so while the family is on the tour, uh, Bart explores on his own, eventually running into groundskeeper Willie, who's playing the uh, Dick Holleran role in this mm-hmm. version. Mm-hmm. And, and make sure to make the note that it's not The Shining that they both share. It's The Shining, because do you want to get sued? <laughs> <laughs> so Burns and his assistant Smithers finally leave, uh, cutting off the cable and taking all of the beer with them. Um, Smithers, re- Smithers actually asks, do you think maybe this might be why they all went crazy and killed their families? Oh my god! I think it's so funny. <laughs> a dry, a whole dry house. Like, hmm, nothing better to do. <laughs> Just let me go kill my family. So a little bit later, Homer discovers this, and his behavior becomes erratic very fast. So quickly, like, like his, on a dime. <laughs> I think he he realizes that yeah, there's 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 no beer or um there's no the TV the TV's out. Well, I guess I'll have a beer. Oh, look at that! On a drop in the house. <laughs> Um, and and then he and he says this very cheerily, and Marge says, "Wow, Homer, I'm impressed. You're really taking this well." And Homer says, "Well, there's plenty of I can do to keep myself occupied. Maybe I'll go check out that axe collection." And he goes and he leaves. And he pops his head back in, and like with this like perfect like Jack Nicholson impression that I can't match. <laughs> See you later. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that wasn't too bad though. <laughs> and then when and then when they leave, they're all just staring at the door. And Lisa says, "Mom, is Dad gonna kill us?" And Marge just says, totally casually, "Well, we're just gonna have to wait and see." <laughs> <laughs> the fact that they have to wait around and find out. <laughs> <laughs> so Homer goes to the hotel ballroom and sits at the bar. Mo appears in as 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 Lloyd, the bartender, mm-hmm. and he says, "Mo, give me a beer." And Mo says, "No, not unless you kill your family." <laughs> 
the funniest thing to me in this episode is the matter of factness in which they deliver the plot. Like, just everything's just everything's just straight. That is definitely one of my favorite uh, aspects of The Simpsons. Like, they t- tend to deliver things in such a matter of fact way, and it's just like, yeah, you've seen The Shining, or you're at least familiar with the premise. So let's move it along here and let's get to the jokes. I just I just appreciate that, like, kind of like the matter of factness. Like, it, it, at least in this episode, it is the joke. Like, like, yes. like, 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 like one, like one of my favorite, one of my favorite lines. And actually, it's kind of like ruined The Shining for me because whenever I see the scene <laughs> when, um, when, when Wendy goes and sees Jack's type, um, typewriter to see that he wrote no all, all, um, all work and no play makes Jack a dull boy mm-hmm. um, Mar- Marge actually says aloud which Homer Homer's Homer's got a typewriter because of course he's writing right of course um, and she just says what he's typed will be a window into his madness that killed me <laughs> <laughs> like I mean yeah and like I always I always say that whenever I whenever I'm watching the shining <laughs> and when Wendy walks into the room it's like what he's typed will be a window into his madness <laughs> Or when somebody leaves a word duck up. <laughs> you just scroll by my my Mac in the newsroom and like it's just all work and no play makes Leo a dull boy. <laughs> uh, the typewriter says, feeling fine. <laughs> Which Marge says, well, that's a relief. And then thunder and lightning clap to reveal that Homer has scrawled no TV and no, ma- uh, no beer make Homer go crazy all over the walls. To which she responds, this is less encouraging. <laughs> so... Homer has gone full Nicholson at this point, mm-hmm. like like just one hundred percent, which is exactly the event that an emergency that, that the emergency baseball bat break glass and kicks his spousal insanity <laughs> says a sign above it. <laughs> I love that. It's exactly what that was meant for. Uh, so he chases Marge to get it away from her, but. He startles himself in the mirror with his ghoulish appearance and he falls down the stairs and is knocked unconscious. I just like to think, like, I, wa- I like to imagine, like, Jack Nicholson in that state, like, in that same exact, like, position, just looking at himself in the mirror. Because I know they had, like, there were so many times that um, those actors had to take those, you know, they had to do so many takes to the point where they were just getting all, like, loopy and, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> just <Yeah>. out of it. <laughs> um, so Marge, Marge takes Homer to the pantry. Mm-hmm. To, to, to sit until he's no longer insane. Ooh, chili will be good for dinner. She says as she leaves. <laughs> she just like nonchalantly like, yeah, let's just make some food. Uh, so Homer's in there and he's, he's Homer Simpson. So he's, 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 got, he's got this, this uh, restaurant worth of food um, mm-hmm. that, that, that he has access to. So he's just like snacking like crazy. Uh, Mo and some of the ghouls, who, by the way, if there's a mummy there, the Wolfman, Dracula, Jason Voorhees, Pinhead from Hellraiser, and Freddy Krueger are all involved. <laughs> they they force the door open and drag him out because he, he's 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 kind of over the whole killing his family thing. Well, yeah, now that he has food, he's kind of fine. Uh, it was so funny seeing the mummy. I was like, wait a second. So Homer goes after his family again. I guess like I guess I guess leaving the I guess I guess leaving the food behind, put him back in his original, put, put him back in his in his previous state. Mm-hmm. Um, and we are treated to the Simpsons interpretation of the iconic bathroom door scene from the original movie and honestly this is one of my favorite simpsons bits ever <laughs> yeah, same um, here. so he initially does the uh the famous here's johnny <laughs> but he gets the wrong room so he goes into another room and the next one he goes david letterman <laughs> and finally my personal favorite which i just quote all the time for just like no reason i'm mike wallace i'm morley schaefer and i'm ed bradley all this nanny very tonight on 60 minutes oh my God. And his evil faces when he does this are so meticulously animated and everything just hits all the perfect notes. I just love it so much. I also love too that when he's doing the 60 minutes intro, he has a he has a stopwatch in his hand for the TV. Yes, he does! <laughs> 
It's so great. Um, uh, that's what, another thing I love about The Simpsons is like the repetitiveness and his like f- his failures and foibles. Um, one time would have been funny, but the fact that they keep doing it. And the fact that they moved on, like the fact that they moved on to other late night hosts. Like, yes. Just, <laughs> love it so much. <laughs> And it, it's not really, it's not really important, but I, but I love too that when he does uh, the David Letterman thing, um, he actually runs into Grandpa, who has who has made his way to the, who has made his way to the hotel, yeah. and responds with, "Hi, David, I'm Grandpa." He says to his own <laughs> son. <laughs> I love Grandpa. <laughs> so Marge runs to the comms room to call the police over the radio. She says, hello, hello, police. This is Marge Simpson. My husband is on a murderous rampage. Over. <laughs> Unfortunately for everyone, it's Chief Wiggum on the other end. Mm. And he says, well, thank God that's over. I was worried there for a second. <laughs> okay, can I just say that I love, I love the animate, I love how they animated the, or how they drew the, the back set, the background, and just about almost everything in the hotel to match the movie. I love the detail they put into recreating oh, the yeah, hotel. The, the Simpsons was so meticulous about stuff like this. I've noticed. I mean, I didn't notice it the last, uh, the last time I was like watching through some of it, and I guess I just didn't notice it in general. But like looking back on it, I'm just like, wow, that's really cool. Just time and care, just mwah, chef's kid. So. They're they're kind of out of options at this point. So Bart decides decides to use his shinning. He hits, <laughs> he, he hits it really hard when he says that. He does to get in touch with groundskeeper Willie. Uh, just a little bit of my detail oriented nerdiness. Mm-hmm. Um, I love that Willie has a framed a framed photo or painting of the random Scottish woman that only showed up in one scene of the season four episode Whacking Day to serve as a distraction while Bart stole the lawnmower. Like why why did they call back to that? It's so weird. That is interesting. Oh <laughs> and she's God. and she's not there so i'm wondering what what happened who is this woman and where did she go <laughs> the, the, okay so the knowledge you have like these little like these little things that you notice like oh that's actually in this season too or this makes a an appearance here that's the exact knowledge i have of steven universe by the way <laughs> all these little all these little background details <laughs> yes because everything connects too so yeah but anyways moving on so willie rushes over but is instantly killed by homer <laughs> and marge says oh my I hope that rug was scotch that rug was scotch guarded. It is a dumb <laughs> joke, but it kills me every time. <laughs> it was good. It got me. So out of options, Marge and the kids run into the run out into the snow. Homer's in hot pursuit, um, in hot pursuit, but calms down immediately when Lisa shows him Willie's handheld TV. And yeah, he he starts to calm down. Television teacher, mother, secret lover, urge to kill, fading, 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 rising. Fading. God. <laughs> and we close on the family huddling together in the snow to bask in television's warm, glowing, warming glow. <laughs> and of course, they all freeze to death. And Homer's urge to kill returns when he can't change the channel away from the Tony Awards. But what is he going to do, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I just love his face too at the end. He's like, urge to kill, rising. Like, he can't change his mouth, but his eyes like kind of create like this really awkward face. <laughs> So yes, the shinning is F's, is, is the prime Simpsons. Great A. It's the best. It's one of the most memorable ones for me. I mean, again, I don't watch The Simpsons often, but that's one that pops up into my head every now and then. Like, oh yeah, that was a thing. So our next segment is called uh, Time and Punishment. Mm-hmm. Uh, this episode gets the award for just the most bizarre setup for a Simpsons story <laughs> of all time. Um, actually, a, a, a funny thing is that um, 
the first time I saw this, the, I, I saw this this segment, or at least, or at least um, this clip. Mm-hmm. It was on its own in a vacuum, so I had no idea what the context was, and like it made it even funnier. That just, I, 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 thought, I actually thought it was at the end of an episode. It seems like it seems like it would be a good ending for this episode, right? But um, so it's okay. So what happens is we open on a beautiful, peaceful, you know, poss- probably weekend morning. If Homer's in a good mood, he's not going to work. Um, the Simpsons are all seated around the breakfast table while Homer ruminates on what a lucky guy he is with his loving family, living in this wonderful free country, um, hmm. <laughs> this beautiful day, all this kind of stuff. Lisa, though, <laughs> interjects by yelling, yelling out, panicked, Dad, your hand's jammed in the toaster! And we get some iconic uh, Dan Castellaneta Homer screaming as he <laughs> slams it, as he just like slams it against the wall in the refrigerator, <laughs> trying to get it out. And, and, so he, and so he manages to get it out, and he calms down, and Bart lets him know, Dad, it's in there again! And he freaks out. <laughs> so he eventually gets the toaster off of his hand. I just... I... <laughs> I, I don't know how. I don't know why. I don't know the explanation. But there goes the Simpsons again with their like absurdest humor and like the repetition. So it's just... I just I just love this scene. There's just so many questions. Like, what was the toaster doing there? How did he not notice that his hand was in there? Why was that such a big deal if it wasn't even plugged in? I, I'm just very confused by the whole thing. When did the toaster get there? I mean, I just how? It's so strange. So Homer manages to get his hands out, and he takes the toaster to the basement, uh, where he's confident that he can fix it if he ha- if he just has the right tools. <laughs> of course, he the way he does it is smashing the front panel off <laughs> it with a rock. And uh, but after a full day's of work, to his credit, uh, he manages to fix it. And uh, he takes when he takes it for a test toast, though, because 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 you, you can see something has gone screwy. There's like all these new tubes and flashing lights and beepings coming out of this coming out of this toaster. It's bigger too. Where 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 did he get this material? Like, there's, there's so many questions in this episode. He said he had the right tool. Oh, he could do it if he had the right tool. I guess so. I guess it wasn't just the rock. <laughs> yeah. uh, so he takes it for a test toast and discovers that he accidentally turned turned it into a time machine. <laughs> Like, how? So as Homer falls through the vortex, I just wanted to make a note of this here, uh, he remarks that he's the first non-Brazilian person to travel through time. Mr. Peabody and Sherman appear to tell him that he's the second. And, uh, yeah, I actually looked into the production notes on this because I'm like, okay, this is beyond me. This must be a super obscure reference. Uh, But, yeah, apparently um, Matt Groening himself, the creator of The Simpsons, did not understand what this joke was getting at. It was switched, you know, when when he wasn't looking. They were, it was it was something else before, right? And yeah, it was it was it was supposed to be non-fictional. I'm the first non-fictional person to travel through time. And then Mr. Peabody and Sherman said, "Correction, Homer, you're the second. <laughs> yeah. And you know, now it's just like I, I I'm assuming it's like a an inside joke between some of the creators and writers. I don't know. I, I have to imagine. Yeah. But I was uh, I was very I was very confused by that joke. Um, <laughs> Me too. Yeah, we we even we even we even asked uh, we even asked our uh, advisor Matt earlier if he if he had any insight and he didn't really seem to either. Yeah, because Matt's a huge TV and film and pop culture guy too. So yeah, he he pointed us towards the uh, the Terry Gilliam movie Brazil, but that doesn't have anything to do with uh, time travel. That's mm. like a, that's like a dystopian movie. Ooh, add that to my list. So Homer ends up in a time when dinosaurs weren't just confined <laughs> con- confined to zoos. So- <laughs> I think he's talking about museums here. <laughs> so he begins to panic before he remembers some some advice his father gave him on his wedding day, which, of course, as fathers do, it concerned the butterfly effect. I'm just like, wait, wait, <laughs> where do you think we are? Uh, unfortunately, he immediately kills a bug. I love his line. Stupid bug. You go squish now. <laughs> so 
He uses the time toaster to return to the present where things aren't quite right, mm-hmm. to say the least. Uh, Ned Flanders is now the, according to Bart, unquestioned lord and master of the world. <laughs> and because Homer was a negative Nelly in Sector 2, the family is forced to report for re-neducation. <laughs> I like that play on words. <laughs> So while they're while they're in this uh, while they're in this like super clockwork orange 1984 re-education facility, um, hooks are inserted into everyone's cheeks to force them to smile before they're brought in for a nice glass of warm milk, a little nap, and a total frontal lobotomy. <laughs> the rest of the family is turned into zombies, and Homer makes a break for it. Mm-hmm. Flanders sends attack dogs after Homer. Uh, he start they start to gain on him, but fortunately he finds a string of sausages which give him the quick energy he needs to escape. <laughs> To his credit, it works. <laughs> he tries. He goes back. He goes back and tries to and tries to fix and tries to fix the 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 the, the mistake that he made before. Um, and he's being very good at being careful. Uh, but then he accidentally crushes a fish <laughs> with legs. <laughs> with yeah, <laughs> yeah. As it was as it was crawling out of the water, <laughs> out of the primordial soup. And then, another land. like another like stupid line. Another stupid line that I love is uh, he falls in the fish and he says, oh, I wish, I wish I didn't kill that fish. <laughs> oh, it's just the, the fun. The writing is just it's just great. It's so great. Even even when the jokes make no are just non sequiturs and dumb. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he turns. So so he goes back to the present and it turns out that now everyone is giant. Bart. Bart and Lisa show up, rip the roof off of the house, and they say, hey, look, there's a bug that looks just like Dad. Let's kill it. Oh, my God. Because he's Bart, and of course he would do that if he was giant. Of course. I mean, you saw him <laughs> with that tooth episode. Or, or, his, or, his, or his dream about um, reincarnating as a butterfly. Oh, Burn yeah. down the school. Oh, my God. <laughs> so Homer runs again and uh, goes back in time. One more, um, well, not one more time. He goes back a couple more times. A couple. Um, this time... <laughs> He sneezes on a T-Rex, which I, I, I somehow kills all of the dinosaurs. <laughs> and he just stares at what he did. This is gonna cost me. <laughs> so this creates a reality where the Simpsons are rich, Marge's sisters, Patty and Selma, are dead, and anybody doesn't, who's unfamiliar, they hate him and he hates them. You know, the classic, oh, you know, oh, my sister's dating a loser. You know, you're so, you're too much, you're too good for him. Oh, but Patty and Selma are like cruel. They're, 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 they're absolute monsters. I love them. I also love that they're always depicted as witches. Fame. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, oh, yeah. That, yeah. That, 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 was, that was a little bit that I loved actually in the, in the opening sequence. We didn't really talk about it. But yeah, they, they yeah, they, they don't do the normal theme song. They just kind of do like their little, little, it does like a pan over of like a spooky version of Springfield. And mm-hmm. yeah, they have uh, Patty and Selma are tied to a stake being burned. And of oh. course, being Patty and Selma, they like their cigarettes on it. <laughs> on the fire. They're just vibing. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So, yes, the, it's, uh, the, the, the family is rich. The kids are well behaved. Uh, Marge's sisters are dead. Uh, but nobody knows what a donut is. This is <laughs> unacceptable. Horror. The, the, he 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 lets he let he lets out his most frenzied scream. <laughs> I I would do it, but I I would clip I would, I would clip the mic so hard. I'm just yeah. not even gonna try. Um, and he runs back to the time machine. And the best part, and of course, the punchline to the scene is immediately after Marge remarks, "Oh, it's raining again, and it's donuts coming out of the sky." <laughs> All he had to do was sit around a little bit longer. So upon his arrival to the next time, and we skip over the part where he screws something up in the past, and he's greeted by groundskeeper Willie. Who warns Homer that he's still not not in, not back in his own world? He knows how to get Homer home, but before he can share this information, he's once again <laughs> axed in the back. This time by Maggie. 
not going to say how, but this could this be foreshadowing? Who knows? Mm. <laughs> I also love yeah, like she's Maggie. Maggie. Maggie is sitting on 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 Willie's corpse's back, and she pulls out her pacifier, and she says in James Earl Jones's voice, <laughs> "This is indeed a disturbing universe." <laughs> so Homer goes back to the past once again. And has now entirely lost his patience. Uh, he grabs a club and just <laughs> smashes everything in sight. He like, he like just, just just kills a lizard with his foot, uh, rips uh, rips a mosquito out of the sky, and we he's 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 at this for a while, and we see an exterior shot of uh, the Simpson house as it changes form at least like ten times. Mm-hmm. Uh, underwater, yep. an igloo, a '60s McDonald's, <laughs> and the Flintstones house are just a few. Uh, Kang and Kodos are watching from space in a very uh, kind of Twilight Zone-ish kind of end, kind of kind of kind of kind of, kind of ending. Mm-hmm. For anybody unfamiliar, Kang and Kodos are the are the are the aliens who they primarily serve as the Treehouse of Horror mascots, mm-hmm. but they also make uh, cameos here and there. They were they're they're in the they're in the uh, Universal ride for a minute, and they're actually like one of the main like arc villains in the Simpsons game on uh, on uh, on on PS2 and the Wii. Oh yeah. Um, they're just laughing at us primitive earthlings being totally unprepared for the effects of time travel. Of course, the timeline affects them, too, and their heads turn into <laughs> Mr. Peabody and Sherman. Which I thought was great, too. <laughs> what happened to us, Mr. Peabody? Quiet, you. <laughs> <laughs> so after all of these trips into alternate dimensions, Homer finds himself in a world where, according to Marge, the sky is blue, donuts are plentiful, and Fridays are TGIF, TGIF night on ABC. Which, despite the rest of the family having snake tongues, is close enough for Homer. Yeah, they look more like lizard tongues to me, like chameleon lizard that, tongues. Yeah, you're probably you know? right. They, they, have, they have some kind of like freaky reptilian tongues, but yeah. everything else is normal. Homer's like, whatever, man. I, He's I'm not done. Gonna, I'm not going to mess with it. Close enough. And that brings us to the final segment. Uh, this is definitely the darkest. This one, this one's messed up. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nightmare Cafeteria, which uh, apparently is named after an anthology series called Nightmare Cafe. Oh. Yeah, I've never, never seen it. I actually don't even really recall what channel it was on, but I know there's a show called Nightmare Cafe. And the plot is kind of like a reimagining of uh, Soylent Green. Yeah, pretty much, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Just the spoiled Soylent Green for everybody. (laughs) In case y'all didn't know, it's Soylent Green is people. So we open on Bart being sent to detention by Mrs. Krabappel, R.I.P. Marsha Wallace. Aww. Which is uh, dangerously overcrowded. Uh, we can actually see through the window that kids are like piled on top of each other. Like they're actually like they're they're not in dust anymore. They're actually just like in this giant dog pile crammed into the room. It looks horrifying. So Bart is sent to the cafeteria. I love <laughs> my favorite. My, one of my favorite things is when he's is when they like they because because this one's actually not all like not not darker than a normal Simpsons joke. This seems like a joke they would make in a normal Simpsons episode. Right. Um. There's this one kid who I think uh, used to be one of uh, Nelson's gang. Uh, Nelson Muntz, by the way, the bully, the one who goes, ha ha. Yeah. That's it, yeah. Um, I, I just love the exchange. The, the kids, the kids like pushed up against the, against the window and he says, oxygen running out. And then Principal Skinner's over there. Yes, well, you should have thought of that before you made that paper airplane. <laughs> like an air paper airplane? That's it. So Skinner bemoans the overcrowding in detention, uh, having sent Bart to the cafeteria where now they're going to... Uh, which, which is now like the overflow. And uh, lunch lady Doris reveals the school's budget cuts are forcing her to use grade F meat, which is, by the way, mostly circus animals and some filler. <laughs> I, uh, uh, <laughs> just nasty. Thinking about my own like school lunches in the past, I just, I don't, I don't know. I don't want to think about it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
Uh, so I, I just a quick side note. I love when The Simpsons rips on the public school system. That is like one of like the primary bugs up their ass. Like they really hate the public school system with with good cause because uh, public honestly, school is terrible. Yeah, it's the worst. Uh, there's an excellent episode later on this season uh, toward the end called the PTA disbands, which actually <laughs> continues uh, Lunch Lady Doris's story, revealing that eventually. I guess they run out of grade F meat, if that was ever canon. Mm. And she now has to grind up the gym mats for food, which, according to her, contain very little meat. That's so nasty. <laughs> Ugh. <laughs> but yeah, I always like that about The Simpsons. Even in this mini-episode, they still rail against, like, the, the, the... I almost call it the school industrial complex. Honestly? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, let's call it that. I love that about them. Yeah, and, 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 and what I love about this episode is that, like, I, I think that, like, you know... Um, this is another one of my all-time favorites. I think I think uh, you know, time and punishment is all right. I like that one okay, mm-hmm. but um, I think that the jokes are way sharper and funnier in um, the shitting and Nightmare Cafeteria. I appreciate that you know there's a lot of jokes and a lot of like violence, but like there is that the, 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 it, it's it's actually like a pretty sharp satire. Like they 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 come at the public school system and also while satirizing the public school system using like the darker tone of this episode they're also able to criticize the prison system yeah and um yeah, yeah i just i just i i i like that in a that in a that in a, that in a silly one-third length simpsons episode they can still get the satire that made those first like 10 or so seasons so great writing <laughs> it's, so, it's so good um so skinner wonders if there may be a common solution to both their problems um and that solution presents itself when Lunch Lady Doris spills whatever green soup it was she was carrying onto uh, Jimbo Jones, who's another one of uh, Nelson's gang. You, if, even if you don't know his name, you've probably seen him. He's the uh, he, he wears a he wears a beanie and a black shirt. Has that gra- that raspy voice? Yeah. Um, so he, so yeah, she spills she spills soup on him, ruining his favorite outfit. <laughs> <laughs> and um, Skinner accidentally tastes him. Mm. And he, I, I actually had a lot of trouble writing that line because I was like, "How do I make that sound not molestery?" Oh, right. It's a big narrative conceit that he would taste him. Like, what? Why? Why would you do that, Skinner? Like, why did you do? Why? What are you? First of all, what are you doing touching students? And what are you doing? <laughs> you know, like no physical contact with students. You are you are yeah. a teacher or principal. Although, surprisingly, that is, like, the least of this episode's worries. I mean, yeah. <laughs> so Skinner accidentally tastes him and realizes that he likes what he tastes. Mm. Um, he, pro- he sends Jimbo to the kitchen to assist Doris. Mm-hmm. And uh, we just hear a ruckus in the kitchen. Um, um, <laughs> that whole, so it's, it's so hard for me to clean this big pot when you're, when you're dumping meat tenderizer all over me. Oh, great. Now I kind of work in the dark. <laughs> And uh, we just cut to the next scene where we see the teachers eating Sloppy Joes, which um, Mrs. Kerbopple describes as tasting young and impudent. Ugh. <laughs> Skinner reveals where the meat came from, and uh, they're all on board. Mrs. Kerbopple even letting out one of her iconic, ha! Yeah, it's just, and it's like moving on. Doesn't love, even I, question it. Mrs. Kerbopple's laugh is just the best. <laughs> I, I, there's a friend of mine that I, I send that to like whenever like misfortune befalls her. I'll, I'll, I'll send her a clip of Mrs. Kerbopple going, ha! <laughs> That's so messed up. <laughs> so uh, we go back to the cafeteria, and uh, after his third helping of what is being referred to as Sloppy Jimbo, <laughs> God, which nobody's asking any questions yet, 
<laughs> you would think that they would. Uder, Uder, the foreign exchange student from uh, from Germany, who this actually I don't think this is the first time he's died in this show. I he don't actually, think so either. I, I believe at the very least he is uh, beaten to death by Civil War reenactors. <laughs> and that one wasn't even Treehouse of Horror. <laughs> oh my god! Um, he cuts in line, and Principal Skinner gives him detention for seven minutes a pound. <laughs> The next day, it's apparently Oktoberfest in the school cafeteria, and they're serving something called Uderbraten. Gee, I wonder what that could be. Lisa starts to get suspicious about Uder's disappearance, especially make, connecting the dots between, hmm, it's funny, Uder went missing yesterday, and now we're eating Uderbraten. I wonder if there could be some connection. And uh, Principal Skinner walks, happens by. And I just love this. I just love this response so I much. I hate it. Um, he makes these ghoulish jokes about having a gut feeling that Uder's nearby, oh or how there's a little there's a little Uder in all of us, and how we maybe and perhaps you could say we just ate Uder and he's in our stomachs right now. <laughs> he of course asked them to disregard this last one. <laughs> it's it's so hilarious because like people people in positions of power will will. When they out themselves, you know, for being terrible or doing something horrible, they just tell their viewers, like, you that didn't happen. Don't yeah, they're just forget like, yeah, about just, that. Just, just, don't, just don't, just, yeah. <laughs> so Bart and Lisa run home to go to uh, Marge for help. They just totally go right over Homer. Like, just not, not even going to. What is that? What is Homer going to do? <laughs> exactly. Um, but she refuses because they are eight and ten years old and they're too old for her to fight their battle to fight their battles for them so just, you, you march right back to that school look them right in the eye and say I will not be eaten and they, just, and they never tell them that it's just funny because yeah like this, I, I, it, that, that's good advice for a bully Marge, Marge is not the worst mother um, but not in this situation um, but um, so the next day we discover that most of the school has been put on what is being referred to as permanent detention. Hmm. And there's only five students left. Well, almost immediately four, because uh, poor Wendell, he drops a pencil and is set to detention immediately. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so Bart, Lisa, and Milhouse decide to make a break for it, leaving Ralph Wiggum, or at least I think that's Ralph. I'm not sure. I, I, I don't know if Ralph was properly Ralph by this point. He's... He's uh, it's the same it's the same head, the same hair and the same face, but he never oh. speaks and he's wearing white instead of blue. Okay, I see. So it might be Ralph Wiggum, but not really sure. It might just be like a stock kid. A stock But either way, they leave Ralph they Wiggum. leave this they leave this non-speaking kid behind as they decide to try to escape the school. Mm-hmm. Um on their way out, they peek into the detention room where they discover that they're keeping some students in cages and there's others in a pen outside <laughs> in the playground being referred to as free-range children. <laughs> I loved that. <laughs> I just love too. There's no guards or anything anywhere, and they're just like they're just like running around, they're like milling around like cows. They're, and um, nobody's trying to escape. And nobody's trying to escape. Yeah. Like okay, you know, it's they they just had them in like a simple little corral too. Like it's so easy to escape from. <laughs> so lunch lady Doris bursts out of the cafeteria, covered in blood and brandishing a cake stirrer. <laughs> uh, groundskeeper Willie suddenly arrives uh, to save the kids, but is axed in the back by Principal Skinner. I'm bad at this," he says, as he falls, as he falls dead for now the third time. I love that. I love that trope. <laughs> that just like the the person that almost can, that almost saves the day in the horror movie but doesn't. I, I love how it was groundskeeper Willie every time. Me too. I love. Okay, so this is also <laughs> the third time. So comedy comes in threes, and this is the third time that groundskeeper Willie gets axed in this whole episode. <laughs> I had to pause the episode. <laughs> Because 
I was just laughing so hard at that. So it's so good. It got me so <laughs> good. Like it was so it was unexpected. But as soon as I saw him, I was like, "Is he gonna get?" He got axed. Yeah, he got axed. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love you. Axes weren't even like part of this equation <laughs> yeah. at all. Like we never like this, this, Skinner just happened to have one. <laughs> <laughs> just to keep up with the theme of these mini episodes. So, the three kids are chased to the end of a platform overlooking a cartoonishly large food processor. Uh, Bart <laughs> remarks that something will always, something always comes along to save them before Milhouse falls in. Oh, poor Milhouse. I love the way they draw Milhouse when he falls. Like, I, it's, it's just an excellent freeze frame. I didn't, oh, I see. That's not, I didn't pause at that part, but <laughs> he did look funny falling. Yeah, um... Uh, Bart nevertheless remains confident that something will come along to save the two Simpsons children. Unfortunately, the teachers advance, they fall into the food processor, and are apparently... But... Bart wakes up, (laughs) revealing that this whole episode was just a nightmare, and there's nothing to be afraid of. Well, nothing except for that fog that turns people inside out. Yeah. Yeah. Homer's cheap weather stripping fails because he he blames the stupid cheap weather stripping, but who else would have put the weather stripping in in this very conventional family? So, yeah, I blame Homer for this. The fog seeps in, and we close on the disgusting but awesome image of the Inside Out Simpsons, joined by the Inside Out groundskeeper, Willie, <laughs> uh, bleeding everywhere while performing a rousing parody of one from a chorus line. And we're wished a happy Halloween as the family dog, Santa's little helper, drags Bart away, presumably to his death. <laughs> All right. So how does this episode hold up, Tim? Do I really need to say explicitly <laughs> that I love this episode? I honestly can't even tell you how many times I've seen it and how often I quote it, even if there's no context. Um, there's a lot. There's a, like 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 the only reason I know the intro to 60 Minutes is because of this episode. I've never watched a 60 Minutes in my whole life. <laughs> so that's a, I love that. I love that you just like got it through osmosis through the through the, through the Simpsons. Pretty much, yeah. Uh, the Simpsons is a massive and monumental show for me, not just because of how funny and smart it was and how much it shaped my sense of humor, um, but because honestly, like as as a slightly older kid, like when I when I when I when I really started getting into these like these early ones, because when I was when I was younger, I think when I was like maybe like ten years old or so. Um, I would always watch uh, just reruns. Uh, mm-hmm. There was a there was a specific block, uh, which which was which very formative in my like in my in, in like what kind of sitcoms I like. Um, it was um, Fox. Um, it was Fox Eleven. It's Eleven in this area, by the way, in case you're listening from out of town <laughs> or out of this, out of California, out of Southern California. Mm-hmm. Um, Fox Eleven would always run. It was a block. It was from five o'clock to eight o'clock. Um, I was right after I finished my homework. Um, there would be two King of the Hills from five mm-hmm. to six. Two King of the Hills. A Simpsons at six, uh, Malcolm in the Middle from uh, six thirty to seven thirty, and then one more Sim- one more Simpsons at seven or at seven thirty. Nothing but classics. It was it was so very very it was so very very good and uh, but unfortunately they were only running stuff from like the past like five seasons at that point. Hmm. So I was so I was watching and loving The Simpsons uh, in some of its you know less less great years. There's I, I actually do think, even outside of my own nostalgia, that there are you know, there's there's. The Simpsons stops being at its best around season 10, hmm. but I think it's still pretty watchable and occasionally still pretty great up until like season 16, 17. That's there's there's, there's there's a there's a there's a few here and there, but Yeah, that's really rough considering they were on their 32nd season. Oh yeah, it's it's gotten not not uniformly unwatchable because I do occasionally like I'll I'll dip in. Um I'll get I'll get I'll get two random number generators up. 
<laughs> and I'll just say, give me a number for a season and give me a number for an episode, and I will just watch a random Simpsons. That's interest. That's an interesting way to just just to because watch. Just, just because I just because I because there's 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 so many. There's like I I think on Wikipedia it says like there's like seven hundred and sixty or something by this point. It's absurd. Like they might get to a thousand. This I, is my favorite anime. It's crazy, right? <laughs> um, but yeah, aside from like how formative it was, I, mean, I, I when I started when I, when I got to be about uh, like eleven or so, that was when I started um, having a little bit of extra spending money, and that was when I would go down to buy the DVDs. Huh? Yeah, I never. Yeah, I never really had access to money. I wasn't. I wasn't. I wasn't doing my chores or anything when I was like when I was when I was when I was, when I was really young. Um, Eleven, big baller over here. <laughs> um, but I would buy the I would buy the DVDs, and that was when I first started watching, uh, like the first the, the the you know the golden age Simpsons uh, mm. for the first ten or so seasons. Um, yeah, season three especially is very special because that was that was that was the first season that I bought, Aww. and it's unfortunate because um, actually one of my favorites, uh, Stark Raving Dad, is one that you can't access anymore because uh, they yeah the Disney Plus took it down. Because of the whole Michael Jackson thing, because Michael Jackson is the uh, the guest star in that episode. Oh, I see. Yeah, you can't. It's 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 one it's one of the best Simpsons episodes, and it ends with like a really sweet scene of a uh, Bart and. Just long, long story short, Michael Jackson voices a mental patient who thinks that he's Michael Jackson. Oh my god! <laughs> and uh, they sing a birthday song to Lisa, and it's like a really 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 nice scene. Oh, it's a shame that that like classic bit of Simpsons heart is kind of just like gone from the world mm-hmm. unless you go and find the DVDs but I seriously digress um yeah you know when I started here. when I started when I started watching these first uh, these first 10 or so years I think it was at just the right time because I was starting to become smart like my tastes were starting to form a little and the Simpsons uh, it, it kind of served as a little bit of like a pop culture Sesame Street for me like I, <laughs> I I would I would I would learn about I would learn like about about stuff like Citizen Kane mm-hmm. and, and 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 all these things uh, when I went when I would watch these Simpsons episodes I would go would google it later and mm. I would, um, although I was using Dogpile back then. Oh, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez. But I would, I would Google it later and, I, and I'd learn about all these things. Uh, that along with uh, Mystery Science Theater 2000, which is another one of my all-time favorites. It's a good one. It offered me this sort of self-guided pop culture education through its jokes and references. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, for one, uh, when I was younger, I always just thought that here's Johnny was just a shining quote. I thought because, uh, I, mean, I mean, I mean, it... it Kind of adds up because Jack is like a nickname for Johnny, yeah, for John, or so, and vice versa. So yeah. I thought I thought he was just referring to himself, but because this episode, like this, this episode was where I learned what "Here's Johnny" actually was. Which, by the way, for anybody unfamiliar, it was a it's a reference to Ed McMahon's in, um, intro to the original iteration of uh, the Tonight Show with Johnny Carson. And you just educated me on that, so cool. <laughs> and I only and I only and I only knew that because of its references to David Letterman and sixty minutes. <laughs> Thank you, Simpsons. Uh, so yeah, just just to, just to wrap it up because I am hogging the floor here. This is as classic as classic Simpsons gets. Um, all three of its individual segments stand as some of my favorite Simpsons stories, and they may be missing some of the some of the the heart that you'd find in certain episodes, like uh, say Round Springfield or And Maggie Makes Three or you know Stark Raving Dad, like I just mentioned. Mm-hmm. As you know, sketchy and and weird as that might get with the whole Michael Jackson connection. Mm-hmm. Um, it make it, it more than makes up for it by packing so many jokes in that honestly it took me over an hour to get through this because I kept stopping because I wanted to like write down all of my favorite jokes. Mm-hmm. Um, if you've never seen this episode, even though we just spoiled it, there's lots and lots and lots. The Simpsons is a dense show. Like I can guarantee there's like a, at least a dozen jokes that I haven't even clocked yet. 
Oh yeah, they they just pack them in like just just one after the other. Oh yeah, they they don't they don't give they don't, they don't give you any time to breathe. Like they nope. they it, it is such a fast paced show. Every the, all the best episodes are, and I, I highly I highly recommend that you check this episode out. You will not be sorry. Mm-hmm. Um, on that note, how it's like you know they don't really give you a chance to breathe. I kind of like it because it's just you know it's just joke after joke after joke, but like it's well paced. Um, I like how. Um, I like that they use like the comedy in threes, that whole thing. Um, but also, uh, knowing old shows, I was like, I was kind of expecting some of those old, like those problematic things that come with older shows. Like you know, like I said, this this episode aired um, like after I was, you know, when I was like two months old, um, which is you know '90s, woo, which is like you know rampant with homophobia, oh, racism, big time. Big transphobia. Time. Yeah, so I was expecting some of that, but. You know, it had been a while since I watched this episode, so watching it back, I was like, "Oh wow, it's actually really funny. It's it's awesome." You know, and I'm like, just, I'm laughing nonstop. Um, I was surprised. I was like, I was I was pleasantly surprised and happy with all the gags and the the parodies. Um, parodies are great. Some of my favorite stuff. Um, the animation's still hilarious. <laughs> the barrage of jokes and bits and bursts of like it, in bursts and you know all that. It's hilarious. Um, definitely this is a classic for Simpsons. Um, I would say that this episode holds up very well. Uh, I don't really have as much to say about it as you do because I don't have like that connection with it. <laughs> but um, I don't have any complaints aside from the whole Indian burial ground burial. Aside from the whole Indian burial ground. Oh yeah, that thing. was and that was just a shot at Stephen King because, yeah. I, because because I think like the I think like the 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 thing that started that whole cliche of the Indian burial ground was uh, Pet Cemetery. Mm. And um, mm-hmm. and since so, yeah, I I I, I, th- I think I think they were just poking Stephen King there. Definitely, but like the, and which is which is fine, you know, poke fun at him. But it's like it's it. I feel like other media took that as well as like Stephen King stuff, and like just went with it. Just like oh yeah, let's continue using in, in, uh, Indian burial grounds. I don't really want to say Indian burial grounds, but you know. <laughs> Yeah, it gets yeah, it's a little sketchy. The, the one thing I will say though, The Simpsons definitely is very um it's very good about that kind of stuff. You mm-hmm. know, there th- there is there is a little there's 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 pretty much no racism in it. Like it's very it's 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 very progressive on that on that on that front. Um yeah, fat phobia occasionally. I mean, yeah. You know, the the, the the one of my favorite episodes has a bit where uh, Bart apparently somehow put a wide load tattoo on Homer's butt. You know, that kind of, <laughs> you know, that kind of, I, I think it, I, I can't really like tell people how to feel about stuff, but I feel like whenever, 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 whenever the, the Simpsons goes at like weight issues, mm-hmm. I feel like it's in a relatively harmless way. Like it's not mm-hmm. like saying you, you're, you're bad. If you're yeah. Like this. It, it, it's more just like cracking jokes at the person. That's true. The specific person. It's And, and it never, it never seems to come from a hateful place. There is one episode that I can't stand and I wish I could. Um, it's called Homer's Phobia. Uh, 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 which, oh. Uh, oh. Yeah. Guest stars uh, John Waters. As a thrift, as a, as the owner of a thrift store, who mm-hmm. is uh, who? Yeah, he's a he's a he's a gay man, mm-hmm. and um, it it's 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 just it's just it's just not funny. It's very it's very it's very bad because um, the whole the whole like the whole thing that gets into that is just that the John Waters character, uh, everybody in the family is super charmed by him, and Homer is too until he finds out that he's gay. Then he starts getting all freaky and squirrely and gay panicky. And he starts like becoming obsessive about making sure that Bart doesn't like that 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 like that oh like that that, that 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 the gayness doesn't rub off on um doesn't rub off on 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 Bart. And eventually he is 
Um, beaten nearly to death by uh, reindeer antlers, so he's punished for his behavior. Oh, I mean, cool. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I just, I just never, I never approved of that episode number one because that's a terrible attitude. And number two, mm-hmm. Homer was never like that. There's, yeah. there's, there's, there's been, there's been a lot of scenes where Homer does not care about like conventional masculinity. I feel like he's too. I feel like how Homer is normally uh, depicted, he's like too dumb to catch these things. You know, cat to catch. Um, I don't know to to care that that somebody's gay or mm-hmm. I don't know. <laughs> and, and just in general, he'll some he'll sometimes like I mean I mean he'll 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 let out he'll let out he'll let, like he'll 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 act really fancy or he'll talk or 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 he'll or he'll like giggle like a schoolgirl or something like, like this, <laughs> yeah. He's not he's not he's not that concerned about like heterosexuality mm-hmm. and conventional masculinity, and that's the reason why I dislike that episode so much because they're using him to make a point that Homer shouldn't be being used for. He was mm-hmm. he was he was never like that. He was never homophobic, and it's just a shame because uh, John Waters, if anybody's unfamiliar, he's a film director, mm-hmm. uh, makes 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 these really these really like grotesque and incredibly campy movies. There's this one that I really love called um, Cecil B. Demented. Um, I haven't seen it. Yeah, he's he's a, he's kind of he's he's a little little bit of a little bit of an underground filmmaker. I've actually only really just discovered him, but I've heard his name for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, He's he's guest starred in a lot of movies. Like I can guarantee, if you Google John Waters, you would recognize his face. He he cameos all the time and stuff. But John Waters is fantastic in that episode. His character is so is 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 is, is so fun and nuanced. And I I, I wish I could like that episode, mm. but it's just the the attitude from Homer. It just kills it for me, and I can't I can't, I, I have to skip it. Who okayed that? I want to know who wrote it. Who okayed it? Like that that it takes a team to okay something like that, right? I mean, that's a so that's sketch, but you know. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe we'll get into that episode one day. But. Yeah, that'd be interesting. Oh, great! Have to deal with this. <laughs> <laughs> Got to deal with the Homer phobia. And it's a shame too, because I, I I actually do think that this that this episode actually did happen like during like Golden Age Simpsons. Like the, this this wasn't like this wasn't like season sixteen. Yikes! Like it was like season six or seven, I believe, or actually maybe like season seven or eight. Hmm. I don't know, somewhere in that area. Uh, but that is enough of my rambling. Uh, that <laughs> will conclude the sixth episode of Rerun Shuffle. Woohoo! Uh, be sure to keep an eye on this podcast network. Um, check out uh, Field of View. That is a sports podcast with uh, Brian Calderon and Jesus Coronel. Uh, we actually just in, we actually just released an episode that features a interview with uh, one of uh, our fellow reporters, one of the sports one of our sports reporters, Maya Castro, who also happens to be on the uh, the, the volleyball team. Mm-hmm. Uh, libero, I believe, is her is her is her um, is her position. I don't know what that means, but <laughs> she's a libero. Um, <laughs> I don't know too much about volleyball <laughs> lingo, but you know, I like watching volleyball. They're they're great. <laughs> uh, you can also check out Six by Six Theater. That is another podcast hosted by myself and um, the, multi- the the assistant multimedia editor Gogo Ortega. And the arts and entertainment editor, Will L.G. Stevens, where we talk about a mix of uh, big and small releases of movies. Uh, this, this just, uh, we, just a couple days ago, from when you're hearing this, uh, we released an episode where we review uh, our main feature was uh, Venom, Let There Be Carnage, which actually features uh, Brian Calderon from Field of View. Uh, check out our website, uh, viewpointsonline.org. Uh, you can find us on uh, Facebook, Riverside City College Viewpoints, as well as on Twitter and Instagram at RCC Viewpoints. 
uh, if you want to find us personally, uh, I myself host another podcast outside of the Viewpoints universe. It's called the Super Awesome Variety Show that I do with my friend Brandon Eska. Uh, we do a lot of pop culture critique and just talking about just our lives. And uh, we do get a little bit of like, like, like mental health stuff too, like in a very, like not, not not making fun of it in a very serious way. People <laughs> have anxiety and depression problems. Um, hey, ditto. But there's also a lot of, a lot. we also spend a lot of time screwing around and getting distracted and uh, just kind of losing our minds because we 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 record because I'm so busy we record these like 11:30 at night. Oh my goodness! <laughs> so you can find that on Instagram at Super Awesome Variety Show and on Twitter at SavsPod. Uh, the language is quite a bit saltier than you'll hear here. So uh, if you don't like that, get out. Get no. ready. No, yeah, you're, not, you're not welcome here. Uh, and you can find me personally on Twitter and Instagram at Nacy Tim. That is spelled N-A-C-E-Y. And you can find me, I'm not on like any other podcast or anything really, but you can find me and follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Chupa Cabral. Um, that is C-H-U-P-A-C-A-B-R-A-L underscore. And DM us any episode suggestions or, I don't know, talk to us, chill out. We're, yeah, please. We're we, fun. Yeah, please. We have, um, we're, we're starting to, um, if you're listening to this on Spotify, uh, if you just scroll down. You can, you can do that right now, actually. You can scroll right down. Do it. We're, we're waiting. We can tell. <laughs> <laughs> no, but um, on the bottom, uh, you'll, see, you'll see a poll that lets you, uh, lets you weigh in on if you agree on our take on this episode. And also uh, a little bit of a little bit of a Q&A section where you can uh, DM us episode suggestions. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, that can, and, and that can be for any reason, whether you think it's particularly socially conscious, particularly socially unconscious, or if you just think it's one of the funniest or well-crafted episodes in TV history. Uh, just, yeah, throw, hit us with those. We want to know. And uh, I believe that will do it for us. We will see you next week. Thank you for listening. Bye.